The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. Last week, we started John chapter 1. Over the next year, we're going to be taking a journey uh, chapter by chapter. Uh, we are definitely going to go slow through chapter 1. Uh, we started last week. We'll be here today and the, probably the next two weeks. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, 21 chapters, four weeks per chapter. This is going to take forever. Don't worry. Some chapters will go by quick, and uh, it's, it, there's beautiful nuggets for us to, to harvest as we dive in. So uh, keep your hands raised as you need a scripture journal. If you, by some reason, fill up your pages and need another, or if you lose yours, we only have so many, so we'd like to ask you just to take one. But you can find these on Amazon for about three bucks, so not that bad. And they actually make them for every book of the Bible, so uh, good little tool. John chapter 1. Last week we dove in and we started by looking at the book of John. Uh, John is a little different than the other Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic Gospels. And uh, while they, uh, in many ways, tell the same kind of stories, uh, even chronologically they unfold in the same way. You've got a genealogy. You've got some introductory uh, characters that are mentioned. John is very different. He hits it hard from the beginning. He, from the very first sentence, busts open everybody and says, you want to know who Jesus is? Let me tell you who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, in John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God, the Word. Jesus is the creator of all things. He made everything. Anything that was made was made by him. Nothing that was uh, made that was not made unless he made it. The Bible is clear that Jesus is our savior. He is our answer to life's struggles. He is the answer to life, period. In him is life. He, as the light, came into our darkness, and his light shone. It didn't stop shining. Yes, Jesus went to the cross in our place. It's weird that it's over there. You're pointing over here. Jesus went to the cross in our place. He took our sins upon himself, and his light pierced the darkness. Bearing our sin and shame, Jesus laid down his life for us and then conquered sin and death, and rose in victory. We have a king of kings and a lord of lords, a Jesus who made everything. John's thesis statement, the man who wrote the gospel of John. John was a very dear, close friend to Jesus. They um, spent most of their uh, last three years of their life together. And Jesus, uh, John pointed out in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, the reason I've written all that I've written is so that you will believe. That is essentially the focus of today's message, that we would believe. Today we're celebrating Mother's Day. How many of you, uh, in one way, shape, or form, had a biological mother? Anyone? Okay, that's most of you. That's really great. Okay. Um, So whether your mom is involved in your life right now or not, my hope and prayer is that, that, that your life is healed, and if there's brokenness there, we want to help walk with you through life. But 
being born was not a result of our choice. Two people got together, biology took place, and you were born. You didn't have to will to be born. She was born. She's letting us know that she's here. I hope that's she. I hope so. Anyway, um, we were born. And, and we're going to see in Scripture that there is a way to know how you can also become not only a child of a mother, but a child of God. We're going to hit that hard today. My hope is that you're tuned into that. But I want you to see that the purpose of this study is so that we would believe, simply believe. You see, Jesus made us. And his desire, the one who made us, is that we would believe in him. There are many things in our lives that we pursue that leave us feeling empty and unsatisfied. You weren't made by your job, so it's no wonder why your job won't fulfill you. You weren't made by or for your spouse, and so your spouse will never fully satisfy you. You weren't made for money. Money will never satisfy. You weren't made for your position. Your position will never satisfy. You weren't made for your children. Your children will never fulfill you and leave you feeling satisfied. There will always be a void in your life because that void, someone once said, is a God-shaped void. We were made for Jesus by Jesus, by him and for him. And until we find our rest in him, we will be restless. And John comes out clear, demonstrating that even though we live in a broken, fallen world, he came to be our Savior. He was the light, and he shines. Last week, we pulled the letter S in our Bible. And my encouragement is that you would get used to marking up your Bible. That's why we gave you a book, the Gospel of John, out of the Bible, every other page is blank, for you to write in notes that pop out to you, for you to circle text that makes sense, key words. The word shines means that Jesus came and he shone his light in the darkness, but the Greek means the word is shines, meaning it still shines on and on and on and shines even to today. Jesus came to be the light of your life. If you've got darkness in your life, as Jesus came, there was a pile of darkness stacked up against him. First of all, there was sin, our brokenness. That is darkness. First John 1 says, God is light, and in him there can be no darkness. Our sin is darkness. And so Jesus stepped into our darkness. There was also in this world the, the prince of the air, Satan. He is real. Many people aren't sure what they believe about Satan and demons, but I'm telling you, they're real. Satan is real. His minions, the demons, they are real, and they are seeking who they can devour. They are seeking to lead you into deeper darkness and to keep you out of the light. There was that. There was our sin. There was demonic powers. There was the systems of this world, the systems that build themselves up to make them, make them think like, like the Tower of Babel. We don't need God. We can build a tower and be like God. And our systems today, they're against God. They're against his ways. And then we even have the brokenness of man-made religion. The religious people, the lead of the day, looked at Jesus and saw him as someone who was tearing everything apart, everything they stood for, everything they meant. And so they, the religious of the day said, we need to kill him because he's, he's turning everything on its head. And even the failing faith of the disciples, Judas, who betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, 
Peter who denied him three times while he was being arrested before he was taken to the cross, and the majority of the disciples who turned tail and ran, hiding in fear that they may be next. There was darkness all around Jesus, but Jesus came as the light, and he shone into the light, and darkness has not overcome it. And the darkness still shines. I mean, the light still shines today in the midst of your darkness. Whether your darkness is because of sin in your life, Jesus is here to shine his light into it. Whether it's because of oppression and depression or demonic activity in your life, Jesus is here to shine his light into the midst of that, to set you free. Whether it's a system of the world that has its way against you, Jesus' light still shines on in the midst of your trial and your struggle and the things that feel like they're against you. And even if it's your own failing faith and doubt, Jesus is here to shine his light. There was a prayer that Jesus said yes to. A man said, I believe, help me in my unbelief. There are times when each of us struggle and doubt, and Jesus' light shines even into the midst of that. Although we, we may at times be faithless, he remains faithful still. And so we have this passage for today, John chapter 6. Let me read the whole thing and then we'll break it down. John chapter 1, I'm sorry. We will go to 6 for a brief time. John chapter 1 is where we're starting. John chapter 1, verse 6 through 13. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. I'm going to pause real quick. The man who's being introduced is not the man writing the words or the book of John. There are two Johns now. John the Beloved is introducing us to John the Baptist. Side note, John the Baptist was not the first Southern Baptist, okay? He did not start the Southern Baptist Convention or any Baptist mission, okay? John was called the Baptist because he was a baptizer. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we have two Johns here. The first John, writing the book, tells us that reading the book is that we may believe. He's introducing us to another man named John. Let's see what his purpose is. This man named John came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. The light, but he came to bear witness to the light, the true light which which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Mason, Bruce. I'm going to try and talk a little softer. So if you need to turn me up, do it. I feel my voice already going. I think it's just a big room and I think I need to fill it. So can you guys hear me fine at this level? Okay. John. So we have this guy named John. Let me tell you a little bit about him. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. Six months older than Jesus. John, um, we know, a a beautiful story is told about him. When he was still in his own mother's womb, uh, Elizabeth, is it Elizabeth? Yeah. Um, 
get Elizabeth and Sarah mixed up, uh, Abraham and Sarah. So Elizabeth is pregnant. Now Mary learns she's pregnant, and she comes to visit Elizabeth. As she is approaching, do you know what John the Baptist does even before he's born? The Bible tells us that he leaps in his mother's womb because he senses the presence of Jesus. I mean, just one more little note for pro-life, okay? There is life. This child, uh, John, was aware of the presence of Jesus even in his mother's womb. John the Baptist and Jesus grew up. How many of you played that game of match growing up where you'd flip over the cards and you'd guess trying to remember, you know, and some of you had good memories and you could find three or four and I could just see it one day, John and Jesus as cousins, toddlers, you know, in the playpen playing the matching game. And John goes and he finds one, but he struggles to find another. And then somehow Jesus gets them all right. It just seems a little unfair. I told that in the Bible study hour and nobody laughed. So thank you, Joe, um, for laughing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John the Baptist and Jesus grew up together, but in some way, shape, or form, John the Baptist didn't really know who Jesus was. There's one day, though, that John the Baptist, he he grows up, he's about the age of 30, and he has discovered that his purpose in life is to tell everyone to get ready for the coming of the Messiah. At first, I believe, not knowing that it was his own cousin Jesus. And so he is literally out preaching in the wilderness, wearing camel hair, but it wasn't trendy back then. It was kind of weird back then. And he's wearing camel hair, and he's, he's uh, eating like locusts, and, and, and he's kind of a nut. But the words that he's speaking are full of the Spirit, and they are true. And so people's hearts are being pierced, and they're coming to him. And he's baptizing these people, saying, get your life right. The King is coming. The Messiah is coming. Bat- uh, uh, turn from your sins. Repent, and get ready for the King. And one day... Jesus is standing on the shore, and Jesus uh, looks at John, and John looks at Jesus, and somehow John knows, my cousin, it's you. Behold, he says to the crowds, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus goes into the water and is baptized. And from that moment on, John is pointing. He was pointing to the Messiah, not knowing it was Jesus. And from that moment on, he's even telling those who are still trying to follow him. His disciples are coming up to him and saying, John, what, what's up? There's that Jesus guy. He's baptizing more than you. And John's like, you know, whoa, 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 I'm not the light. I'm here to tell you he is the light. I'm here to testify and to be a witness. He is the one now to follow. I must decrease. He must increase. John came to point us to the light. So we have two Johns, John the Baptist and John the Beloved. John, both Johns saying, Jesus is the light. In him, we will find life. We are telling you this so that you will believe. Believe. There are people pointing to Jesus, uh, John the Baptist, John the uh, disciple, and they are pointing there, telling us that we are here to believe. So in your, in your Bibles, in your uh, workbooks, I want you to circle that word believe. We're going to see it over and over again. And every time you see the word believe, I want to encourage you to circle it. Today we're going to talk about what belief is. Every time we see the word believe in the scriptures here in the book of John, 
there's never going to be an adverb attached. You're never going to find, I want you to radically believe. I want you to uh, believe with all your heart. I want. It's always just believe. Here's the key. Here's the point. If we attach an adverb to the word believe, then that somehow puts believing in our power. It somehow puts the ability whether or not we are saved in our hands. When it was all due to God. It was all due to what Jesus did for us. We cannot do anything to earn his salvation. We simply have to believe. You can't work for it. You can't radically try to believe. You can't can't intensely try to believe. You simply believe. Just like that child is born of a mother with no will of his own, we are born of the Father simply by believing. Now, I'm not trying to hand you uh, an easy believism type of gospel. I'm not saying you can just choose to believe in Jesus and then go on and live your life however you want. Please, I am not saying that in any way, shape, or form. What I am telling you is in order to become a child of God, all you have to do is believe. Now, as children of God, there are things we're told that Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. And there are times when, when, when the scripture clearly teaches us that a God who loves us will discipline us and there will be consequences for our sin. But to become a child of God, all you have to do is believe. There's no amount of works, there's no amount of righteousness that any of us can do to somehow earn God's love. From the beginning of time, that's how we've been wired, though. We've been wired to think that we somehow have to do something in order to do what's right and to be right. Look at John chapter 6 when you have time at home. John chapter 6, just in summary, John 5 and 6, you've got the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. There's... Basically, for those who not be familiar with it, um, the crowds are gathering because they're hearing about this guy named Jesus. He's teaching. He's healing. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. People's minds are, 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 are curious. Their hearts are being pierced. And so they go to hear him. It's getting late in the day, and there's over 5,000 that have gathered. And the disciples turn to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we've got to do something. It's getting late, and we don't have any food. The crowd is going to get restless. What do we do? And Jesus says, feed them. And the disciples are like, you know, all we've got is a couple dinner rolls and some fish sticks. This isn't going to go far. The text doesn't read exactly like that, but the disciples take the fish and the bread. A child's lunch is offered up, and they pray. Jesus prays over it, and they begin to pass it out, and everybody is fed. And, and, and in the end, there's 12 baskets of leftovers still lying around. And so the focus of where I'm driving us right now is actually the response of Jesus to the crowd in John chapter 6. You see, they're fed dinner, and then night comes. The next day, Jesus has made his way over to another part of town, and while he's there, the crowd comes. And they're looking for him, and they find that, where'd you go? You fed us yesterday, and we're hungry again. Can you feed us again? And Jesus looks at him and he says, he answers in verse 26. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you're not seeking me because you saw the signs. The signs of the prophets, the signs of the Old Testament, the signs of of the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. You're not looking at me because of the signs. 
but because you ate your fill of the loaves. The reason you're following me is not because you love me. You're following me because I filled your stomachs. The truth, unfortunately, is in our world today, many of us, we are religious or we try to find Jesus because of what he can do for us and not because of who he is. And Jesus sees this and he calls calls them out. He's like, you're, you're, you're not coming because you love me. You're not coming because you believe in me as the Messiah. You were hungry yesterday and now you want fries with it. But many of us too often, we come to Jesus because our marriage is broken. We think if we draw close to Jesus, if we start going to church, maybe our marriage will be healed. And yeah, God can heal your marriage, but are you coming to Jesus to have something fixed, or are you coming to him because you love him, because you believe in him? Some of us, we want that promotion, so we draw close to God, hoping we'll rub the genie just the right way, and our wishes will be granted. We want our kids' attitudes fixed. We want our rights upheld. We come to Jesus for many things. But Jesus says, you're not coming to me because you love me or believe in me or want me. You're coming to me because you have things you want me to fix. Verse 27, Jesus responds to them and says this, John 6, 27. Do not work for the food that perishes but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Verse 28 continues and says, Then they said to him, and and here's, here's us being us again. Okay, okay, I'm not supposed to come to you because of what you can do for me. Uh, you called me out. Uh, then what must I do? Jesus says, I want you to love me. Believe in me. Okay, okay, just tell me what to do. You ever been caught and you're just like, okay, you're mad at me, just tell me what you want me to do. That's what they're that's what essentially what they're doing here. Jesus, just tell us what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answers in verse 29, This is the work of God. You ready to write it down? Because if you get this right, you will be a child of God. If you do the things I'm about to tell you. You will be a child of God. How many of you want to be a child of God? Then do what I'm about to, what Jesus is, Jesus is about to give you, everything you need to do to be a child of God. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. The work that God requires is simply this, belief. belief and just belief. Now, yes, there's a lot that comes from a transformed person of God at the point point that we truly become believers, at the point that we truly become children of God. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, comes and resides in us and begins to transform us. And the more we uh, walk with our father, like growing up, my dad, he took me places. He showed me how to be a man. He showed me how to care for others. He corrected me when I needed corrected. I got a few spankings here and there. My dad shaped me and molded me and my mother 
as well. Thank you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. I love you if you're listening. My parents shaped me, but I didn't, I didn't have to do anything to be born. Biology took care of that, and I was there. And now I learned to walk in the footsteps of my parents in the same way belief spiritually makes you a child of God, and then you learn to walk in the footsteps of God. But it all starts, let's start at the beginning point, do you believe? Many of us, we try to put the works first, thinking that, well, if I work enough, maybe my faith will grow. If I work enough, maybe I will earn God's favor. If I work enough, then somehow I'll make it into heaven. But that's not the way it works with God. Jesus did it all, and we simply are called to believe. Let's jump into the text a little bit more to make this clear. I'm going to jump down to verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this. But to all who did receive him, keep reading. What does the receive mean? How do you receive God? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So how do we become a child of God? I've already said it, but I'm going to just break it down a little plain because John goes there. He's like, you can't work your way by, by the will of blood into the kingdom of heaven. You can't be born and become a Christian. Nobody has been a Christian all their life. I've asked kids that. I've asked people that. How long have you been a Christian? Oh, all my life. I was born in a Christian home. I'm sorry. I don't want to break your heart, but nobody is born a Christian. Now, you may have been gr- born into a family with parents of great faith who, who taught you and, and, and shaped you, but at some point... Each and every one of us have to choose for ourselves if we are going to believe that we need God as our Savior or not. And so the question is, have you come to that moment in time when you believed it's not of blood or flesh? It doesn't just pass down and you inherit Christianity. It doesn't. And unfortunately, there's too many people walking around thinking, I've lived a good life. I've born in a Christian home. I've been in the church all my life. My mom gave birth to me on the front pew, and boom, I was on the altar. It doesn't work like that. At some point in your life, you have to come to a place where you say, Jesus, I believe on you with my heart. I know I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I'm apart from you. I need your saving grace. I need your salvation. I need your forgiveness. I believe in that. Come and be my savior. If you've never done that, my hope is the scriptures say today is this day of salvation. All you have to do is believe. So you're not born a Christian, and we've already gone over this. Number two, not born of flesh and not born of the will of man. You can't will yourself into the kingdom of heaven. You can't pile up enough good works. No amount of goodness. You you can't go and compare yourself with the person sitting next to you and somehow think that, well, I've outscored them. I'm better than, you know, there's a lot of evil people in this world and I'm not like that. It doesn't work like that. God doesn't look at you and say, you used to smoke weed and now you don't. You used to look at porn and now you don't. Used to be a drunkard and and now you're not. You've cleaned up, so come on in. 
God doesn't do that. It doesn't work like that. You, it simply says, if you believe, you become a child of God. In the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your shame, Jesus calls out to you. The Spirit draws you and says, I love you. Believe in me. Do you believe in him? Let's jump down to verse 10. 1 John, verse 10. He, Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not know him. So this is what we're going to call unrecognized revelation. Jesus came, and people were like, who are you? And they didn't recognize him. They didn't see him. There are many people in this world who do not yet know the name of Jesus, but they see his works. The heavens declare his glory. Um, One of the commentators I was reading wrote this. This is uh, Brooke Westcott. He says, no man is wholly destitute of the illumination of the light in nature and in life and in conscience. The light makes itself felt in various degrees to all. No one anywhere on earth can say that they haven't had some revelation of the light of the word who was here and the beginning and is still here. He goes on to say, this is true because they have creation to look at everything that Jesus himself made. This is true because they have been made in the image of God. You and I are the Imago Dei. We have been created to have a relationship. We've been created with a God-shaped void that needs the Father in our life. And this is true because they have a conscience. Psalm 19, 1 and 2 echoes this. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Romans chapter 1, 20, Paul says it clearly. He says, for his, God's, Jesus's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. That's why we are drawn as, as human beings. Stan and Gloria just went back to California and they posted beautiful pictures of giant trees and beautiful coastlines. And, and we got to go out there and see the, the beautiful uh, uh, Yosemite National Park and, and why people are drawn to, to the ocean and to mountaintops. And it's because when we see that, we see the handiwork of our God who made it all and who made us. And we are drawn to worship the creator of creation, even though we may not yet know his name. He came to his world, but his world did not recognize him. And so it is our mission as those of us who know, hey, the reason life is beautiful, the reason we have these things is because there is a God who made it and he loves you and his name is Jesus. We have unrecognized revelation. Number two, we have unwanted revelation. Revelation. We have people now in this world who have heard about Jesus, but they have said no thanks. There are just some things in my life that I just hold too dear. There are some things that I don't want to let go of. And I, I don't want. We, we feel the pressure and the oppression that in order to come to Jesus, I've got to change my life. 
Or on the other hand, we might think, you know what, I don't want it because I don't need it. I'm good enough. I'm a good person. I'm a good dad. I have a good family. I, I, I work hard. I take care of my neighbor. I don't need Jesus. Or we see it as a crutch for the broken. Unwanted revelation. It says in verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. They didn't want him. So where are you today? If you're at a place where you think that you're good enough, then I want to carefully and politely tell you that the prophet Isaiah says that your best, your good deeds, your righteousness to God is like filthy rags. tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. We seek after our own will and not his. And then there are some of us who just feel like we're too far gone. Yeah, I love God. I, I, I love the idea of God. I love the idea of being forgiven. But John, if you knew what I have done in my life, there's just no way. scriptures tell us that there is none too far to reach the hand of God, that Jesus came for the sinners, not the healthy. And if you somehow feel like you're too far gone, like Jesus's love and his forgiveness could not cover you, then are you saying you're somehow, just think about that. Are you saying that the power of the cross is not, does not have enough power to forgive you? realize how egotistical that sounds? There is nothing that you've done that God cannot forgive, that God does not step into and say, I want to make a masterpiece out of the mess of your life. I'm here to love you. I mean, look at the characters found in the Bible. Most of them wouldn't even qualify to be staff in our church. I mean, look at, look at David. I mean, he, he, comes to Hope Hill and he says, I'd love to lead a community group and we do a background check and we find that he raped a woman and committed murder. Um, sorry, David. Can't serve here. Look at Moses, the leader of the people of God. Um, Moses, you've got a temper problem. Every time you get angry, you hit things with a stick. Uh, you got to go and get justified and sanctified and clean yourself up, then come back. You know, if we, if we thought that somehow our good works were the measure upon which God determines whether or not you're good enough to be in his family or not, we all would be doomed. We don't become children of God by our efforts, by our resumes, by our own wills. We become children of God by the power of God. And that's it. He died on the cross to offer us life. Do you believe that? We've got to close. So here is our closing for today. Where are you? 
some of us, yeah, we believe in him, but we feel far. We feel like we've drifted. We feel like we're not quite walking the way he would want us to. Then, then turn around. That's what repent means. Just, just stop doing what's wrong. And God, I'm sorry. Now help me to start doing what's right. And start doing what's right. But for those of you here this morning, you may be trying to earn God's favor by, by doing that first. The message here today is if you don't know who Jesus is, you don't have to first go get your life right and then come back and say, okay, I think I'm ready. Jesus says, come just as you are. I think another person wrote that lyric, but Jesus means it. Come just as you are and believe. Let's pray. As we close this morning, I want to close with a read last week. This is from Bruner. And it's a plea for us to just come to Jesus no matter where we are, no matter how far we feel we are from God. He says this, come into union with the word who made you and you will come to life. You came from him. Please come back to him. You were made for him. The result of this reunion will be more than human existence. It will be human life. Father God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your life. I thank you for the light that you shine in the midst of our darkness. And I thank you that you are a God who simply calls us to believe. In order to become a child of God, we simply have to believe. So help us to do that. And God, I know that once we become your child, you're going to shape us, you're going to form us, you're going to begin the process of, of filling us with your Holy Spirit to, to prune us and to make us the beautiful uh, masterpiece you want us to be. But, but let us realize that the first step is simply being born again by believing. And so if you're here this morning, my question to you is, have you ever made it that simple? Stop playing church. Stop trying to earn your way to heaven. And the question is, have you simply believed? And today, if you're here and you're ready to say, you know what? I need to stop trying to make this difficult. I know I need Jesus and his love and his forgiveness in my life. And for the first time, I'm realizing that my first step is realizing that I can't do it on my own. I simply need to believe in what Jesus has already done for me. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Today, I'm admitting I believe in Jesus, and I'm admitting it for the first time. I know I need him. Would you leave the lights up so I can see? If you today know you need to believe in Jesus, raise your hand. I see those hands in the middle. Anybody else? I see that hand in the back. I see those hands over. Father God, we thank you for the way that you love us and require nothing of us to become your child but to simply believe. So God, I pray for those who are raising their hands right now and surrendering to you. God, they may be sitting here saying, I don't know what's next, but I know today I believe in you. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, we pray.
begin to make us new. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit comes and begins to transform the hearts of those who are sitting here surrendering to you for the first time saying, yes, I believe. Come and have your way. I believe, help me in my unbelief. In the areas where I am still struggling, prune me, make me, shape me, make me strong. Help us to follow you. 